the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning the game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. I feel cold. I feel wet. But I feel like a winner. What is Tingus Pingus? That's the problem. All right, right back. Let's go. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. On the first play from scrimmage for Washington, has put six points on the board from 88 yards out. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. It's a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a trip move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. He's down the sideline. Touchdown, Aiden Cade. Touchdown, Drive. Oh, my goodness. Three to shoot. Runner in the lane. It's in. Shepard wins. Shepard wins at the buzzer. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And it is Panhandle Sports Live. Last day of the week, last show of the week, at least in the work week. It is the 5th day of January 2024. We're broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Studio here in Martinsburg, West Virginia. As I sit across in awe from the fresh trim that Parker Stone got yesterday. He's looking fly. How you doing, feeling? Going into the weekend now with that fresh cut, my friend. It was very much needed. The, uh, the cut was supposed to happen before the holidays, but my sickness got in the way of that. But I... I haven't had my hair trimmed up since November the 20th, so it was very much needed, and it feels fantastic now that it's fi- that the little mini afro I had going on is finally off my head. R.I.P. to Parker Stone and his mini afro. Daniel, how are you today? I am phenomenal, Luke. I'm phenomenal. It's good to hear. We've got some high school basketball coming up tonight here on the Panhandle News Network. Daniel Woods, in fact, will have the call here on WEPM and WCST as it's a Hedgesville-Musselman matchup that we've been really excited since the start of the week. Parker Stone as well. Let's get to it right off the rip because we have some Berkeley Springs flavor coming up a little bit later on in the show. Their new baseball coach, Quentin Thompson, got hired last week. First week on the job, we got to catch up with him. We're going to be hearing from him here in just a couple of moments' time. But Parker Stone got an opportunity to catch some Tribe Hoops tonight on Cool 92.9. Yep, we'll be over that way. It's a fun matchup from last season. They take on Kaiser, and last year that was the opening sectional matchup where Kaiser took down Berkeley. Springs. The Tribe have had some of their issues to start their season. They've only started 1-7. Their only wins against Boonesboro so far. But they've had a pretty tough opening to their season playing against Hedgesville, playing against Washington, getting Allegheny, who's a really good team out of Maryland, and maybe a chance to really get started in 2024 the best way that they want to. Southern Fulton was a team that gave them a fit last year. They come close to beating them at home before the turn of the new year. They lost by four in a really low-scoring matchup. But it's a Kaiser team that's struggling as well. They lost some pieces, and they're sitting at 3-5 and five on their season. They get them at home, so it's another chance for Berkeley Springs to show something this evening and try and get a nice stamp on their 2024 season. So we'll have that game at 7.30 over on Quinn 92.9. And I'll tell you guys, I don't know how I missed this yesterday, but we had that 
lengthy burger discussion to begin the show, and we got a text. Ham and American on my burger. This one says, the Roy Rogers, I don't know what that's, I think it's supposed to say double R burger. I've never, I think I've been to a Roy Rogers once in my life. You guys ever been to a Roy Rogers? I know that they are more common in in this general area yeah. in the state of Maryland than, than where I have spent the first 22 years of my life. Uh, so I have not been to Roy Rogers, uh, but... I would give it a, give, give it a crack. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying no to it. I just I haven't been. I think I went to the one in Cumberland one time and uh, have not been back since, but that doesn't mean the food was bad. Guys, we've got some high school girls basketball to talk about. Uh, Parker Stone, we're starting to put things in perspective on the girls' side of things in the EPAC because last night, uh, Musselman stayed hot. They've won four in a row. They're 7-2. and two. They defeated Hedgesville 59-29. to 29. Jasmine Morris at 18 points, scored 16 of those in the first half. You can find a great recap of this game in the Martinsburg Journal written by the legend Rick Kozlowski. On the other side of things, Gracie Brown goes for 13 points for Hedgesville, who continues to be their leading scorer uh, and a really exciting player to watch as just a sophomore. But, you know, we were wondering if Hedgesville was going to maintain that tertiary scoring, especially against conference opponents. They've hit a little bit of a snag after their hot start. Musselman, on the other hand, has put together as strong a resume as anybody to be one of the top two teams coming out of the Easter Panhandle. So, what are some of your takeaways as you look at this 30-point victory for the Lady Appleman? Well, I think it reestablishes that Musselman is a real contender, I think, right now on the girls' side of things in the EPAC to come out and go to Charleston at the moment. They're playing really good basketball, starting 7-2. and two. You beat a Hedgesville team that has had a pretty good start to their 23-24 campaign, and now you look forward and keep trying to get these wins up if you're Musselman. If you're Hedgesville, I think you put you in that spot of maybe you're not there just yet of a team that could really contend and get to Charleston, but it's a team that can still fight and put themselves in that position. We we said, to, again, it's wide open. Washington hasn't had the hottest start to the season, so maybe there's some questions on the Patriots' end, but I, I think we all can agree they're still, talent-wise, probably the best team in the girls' side of basketball in the conference right now. And Musselman's making a very strong case, and whatever Hedgesville even firms that up more, that they are – settling in as that number two team in the conference right now with teams chasing them like Martinsburg, like Hedgesville, and the like. Well, Daniel, another team that uh, is trying to vie to be one of the top two teams to go to Charleston is the Martinsburg Bulldogs. They won yesterday um, against Spring Mills and got a pretty balanced scoring performance from Cadence Bradley, Serenity Ritchie. They went 47-24 to in their matchup with Spring Mills yesterday. Bradley in that game going for double digits, uh, and she hit a couple of three-pointers. So she's somebody that leads this team in scoring, leads them in rebounds, block shots. She's starting to get you know more and more of a paint presence as she gets a little bit older and shoots the three ball incredibly well. You know Martinsburg needs consistent scoring from somebody. We know what this team can do defensively. You hold any opponent to 24 points, you know you're going to be successful. And by the way, Gabby Ball, the leading scorer for Spring Mills, hit a couple of three-pointers. Another great article you can read in the journal about this game. You know, Martinsburg, like I said, we know what they can do defensively. They're consistent scoring away from also having a strong resume to be one of the teams to play for a state championship this year. I like what Martinsburg has done to, to start the year so far. There have been some ups and downs, like you said, in terms of scoring. Uh, but the addition of Serenity Ritchie uh, coming over from Musselman really gives them that two-headed attack in the front court between her and Cadence Bradley. They were the two in double figures uh, for that team last night. And I think what stood out about Martinsburg is – they don't necessarily need all the production to come from one place. With the way that they defend, uh, plus the amount of depth that they have and how willing Ronnie Fitzpatrick is to go into his bench, you don't necessarily need 
an 18 to 20 point per game scorer to lead this team night in and night out. You can get 12 from Serenity Ritchie and 11, 11 from Cadence Bradley. And then below that, just have the other eight players in the rotation because they go a true 10 deep, have the other eight players in the rotation, you know, Oh, one night Santa Bria is going to score eight points for us. Uh, you know, the next night you're going to get six from somebody else. Uh, as the season goes on, uh, you're just going to see this Martinsburg team, I think still be led by Cadence Bradley and Serenity Ritchie in terms of scoring, but there is opportunity for this team across the board to be extremely balanced, to not have to rely on one individual scorer to get the offense going. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way that they turn defense into offense. And last night as well, Jefferson has started the year winless. Uh, They're going to have to wait one more game before they get their first win of the season as they fell in girls' hoops to Millbrook, 62-40. to Our next broadcast of high school girls' basketball comes up on Monday. Excited to go up to uh, St. Maria Goretti and do that Washington game. We've got the the Lady Patriots on a couple of times over the next couple of days. You're going to want to stay tuned because they began conference play with a dominant victory against Hedgesville back on Wednesday. One boys' score I want to get to, Parker Stone, uh, because Jefferson played Millbrook both in boys' and girls' hoops, and the boys' team won 69-58. What's important about this game is, you know, Jamari Jenkins, Kyla Johnson still banged up. So it's a shorthanded Jefferson team that's able to get the victory. And a lot of it had to do with Wyatt Shively going for 21, Jaden Gladney going for 30. So that's 51 of your 69 points. We had said, you know, when they took the floor against Martinsburg, that those are your two returners that need to step up and shoulder the load offensively until Jenkins and Johnson can get back to 100%. The Cougars are now 10-1. and They're going to take on Musselman coming up next week on uh, Tuesday. But... As long as you don't have two of your top scores to begin the season, and Jenkins and, and Glad, uh, I'm sorry, Jenkins and Johnson, uh, Gladney and Shively are probably going to have to combine to get you 40 points a night if you want to win games. Yeah, definitely so, and it's a good bounce back win for Jefferson beating a Millbrook team that we saw last year play really competitive basketball with teams in the Eastern Panhandle as well. So it's a quality win for them beating Millbrook. And it's a chance for them to maybe get some rest during the weekend, get themselves rejuvenated, and get ready for what could be a big matchup against Mosselman with the implications on what we have for tonight's game of the week. If we have a if Musselman win over Hedgesville tonight, then Musselman's in a real spot to really challenge and make a case for them to be maybe that second team that can come out of this division and go to Charleston if they, things fall their way. They, it's a team that we can see go to a regional final if they rattle off two wins in a row against two quality opponents. But Jefferson's case, they get a good win. They handle business, and hopefully we get to see both Jenkins and and also Johnson get back onto the floor as soon as we can because this Jefferson team at full strength, I think that's what we all want to see at this point and see them take on some of the best teams in the area. You know, and it's going to be interesting, Daniel, I think, um, to, to find out how the rankings are going to react over the last couple of days to what's happened in the EPAC. You know, you've still got a, a Spring Mills team that's undefeated. They've beaten Morgantown. But you've got a one-loss Martinsburg team that beat Jefferson who have played more games, not to mention Hedgesville's a one-loss team as well. I would expect there to be at least four EPAC teams. You can make the case for five if we're being completely honest with you. Uh, with Washington on the outside just looking in, because Musselman's 7-1, and one, don't forget that either. How the rest of the state is going to react to Jefferson being a powerhouse, but also losing to Martinsburg, you could potentially see three EPAC teams in the top five. Well, we're going to see how much the people around the state do their homework. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and the understanding that 
yes, they lost the game, but it came without their number one and their number three score. I think it's possible that you see Jefferson drop out of the top five. I don't see think you see them drop out of the top ten by any means. Uh, I think Martinsburg takes a big leap up. Again, that is the team that, that I've kind of said all year long is the sleeping giant just because there's so much talent on that roster. And I think they're going to be playing much better basketball in March than they are right now. Not that they're playing bad basketball now, uh, but I think that they're going to be uh, uh, an almost unrecognizable team uh, when the postseason comes around. And then Spring Mills has done nothing to make you believe that they should be knocked off the top spot, which is where I've had them since since winning that Morgantown game. And then, as you said, Musselman and Hedgesville are, are both quality teams uh, that are, have one loss to start the year. For Musselman, it came to a very good Bridgeport team. For Hedgesville, it came to a, a school out of D.C. that we watched that game. It was just kind of a chaotic 32 minutes. Um, but uh, you look at the way that things are shaking out in the EPAC this year, and at least through the first month of the season, it makes you really shake your head and say that it's going to be a shame that only two of these teams go to the state tournament. Yeah, unofficially through uh, the first month of the season, I've got Eastern Panhandle teams on the boys' side of things, a combined record of 34 wins and just seven losses, which is pretty remarkable. I'm, I'm going to put my stamp on this uh, right now, and this is my, my hot take of the day. Maybe it's EPAC bias because we've got five great teams this year, but... I have been formulating this over the last year and a half or so. Get rid of sections and regions, seed the entire state, and the best eight go to Charleston. Hmm. So I don't know if I'm with you on there. I would like to see the 16 regional teams get reseeded one through 16. That's uh, yeah. that's what I would. Do. I, I would like that as well. I think it would be harsh for a lot of teams in the first round. Like if, just for example, if the best team in the state of West Virginia is Cabell Midland in basketball. And the worst team in Quad A is Preston. That's fair. I don't want to see that in the first round. You know, if you know, if it's a game that's going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, non-competitive, I'd rather it be teams that are in the same section. That's fair. But you're right. I would not say no to seeding uh, regionals one through sixteen and uh, having the top yeah, eight that, teams. That's go probably that way. a more a more reasonable geographic or decision. sectional finals. You know, you could yeah. make it a thirty-two team bracket yeah. instead of a. Sure, but you know, there's barely 32 teams in Quad A, anyway. So you know, but I I agree that there's years that we've seen Wheeling when we come from North Central West Virginia, we see Morgantown University, Wheeling Park, all deserving to make it. The Charleston schools would say there's probably some years where you know they could send five teams that could all put have have a good showing in the state tournament. So I'm certainly not against it either. But you know. We've gone through so many changes in the state that it's almost unrecognizable as it is right now. <laughs> but you're right. We used to not see the state tournament. Yeah, but yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, you've got five really strong resumes. And then Washington, I mean, you know, they're struggling right now because DJ Borley didn't play the last game. When they get, you know, a tertiary score to him and he continues to give you 15 points a night, we've talked about this. I mean, Washington, especially when you get into tournament, I, I, I would hazard to guess that maybe they won't have the best record of the six teams in the EPAC, but they're still not a team you want to play in the first By round no of the means. section. Nobody wants to play anybody in the first round no. of the playoffs in the EPAC because that's how tough these games are going to be. Uh, but you're and, and those first round sectional buys are going to be really valuable. They are. They yeah. incredibly are. They're, you're absolutely right. Um, but anyways, we, we we digress enough. We've got high school basketball coming up tonight, as I mentioned, on both stations. Berkeley Springs in action tonight, 730 on Cool 92.9 with Parker Stone on the call. And Daniel will have the call as it is Hedgesville 
against Musselman in that game. It's going to tip off in the 7 o'clock hour as well. Despite it being the month of January, that's not going to stop us from covering a little panhandle baseball as well. Quentin Thompson named the new man the head coach of the Berkeley Springs baseball program. We'll talk to him after the break on Panhandle Sports Live. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Text in at 304-263-4321. Welcome back, Panhandle Sports Live. You can text us as always, 304-263-4321. You talk about the rich baseball history and tradition that this part of the state has. Everybody knows about John Lowry and the success that Jefferson has had and him going into the Hall of Fame. You know, the recent success we've seen from Hedgesville uh, and DeLauder being a first-round pick and then uh, Blaine DeLauder being one of the best pitchers in the state who coincidentally we'll talk about here in just a couple of moments in this interview. People forget Berkeley Springs uh, was something that I was reminded of yesterday. Claimed a baseball championship in 1983. It's one of the more passionate fan bases in the state of West Virginia, as we've documented several times with our coverage of Berkeley Springs Athletics over on Cool 92.9. They named a new head coach, Quentin Thompson, uh, who's from the area, graduate of the program. We were able to sit down with him yesterday and talk about his goals uh, and his plans for stepping into this Berkeley Springs baseball program. Here's how that interview sounded. Coach Thompson, let's start by kind of reintroducing yourself to a lot of the listeners. You know, we were just talking. Uh, you're from the area. You know, talk about your connection to local baseball, specifically Berkeley Springs. So I uh, grew up in Berkeley my whole life, and I, I played at Berkeley Springs um for four years i graduated in 2016 um you know still coming back to the area every now and then uh my both my parents still live here and uh my wife's parents are uh, live here as well so always had connections to the area and honestly it was uh just perfect timing to you know move back um and the job was open and i don't know just it felt right it felt right to come back home and and try to turn the program around. So, What is it about coaching specifically? You know, Was it in college when you realized that you, that you wanted to coach baseball? Uh, honestly, I think it was, it was even in high school. I was just like, man, I, you know, I, I never want to really be done with the game. And I, just, like, I was like, I want to be a coach one day. And you know, I had some great coaches growing up. And then I was just it – was, it was even younger that I was like, you know, I, I could see myself coaching baseball, whether, you know, it's Little League or high school. And um, once I started coaching, I thought, I was like, this is it. I, I really I really enjoy this. Who were some of the individuals in the Eastern Panhandle specifically? You know, you mentioned some of the coaches that you looked up to uh, that, that, like you said, kind of got you into coaching. So, you know, the first coach I really um, ever had that I can remember um, – and this is in this name, you know, in Berkeley Springs baseball is kind of goes back. But uh, Ross Clatterbuck, who, you know, is the son of a a famous coach, you know, Coach Clatterbuck here at Berkeley, who was the only um, coach to ever really lead the team, or the only coach to ever win a state championship at Berkeley Springs in baseball. And he he was the first one. And then um, uh, Clint Moss, who I had basically my whole, you know, growing up. Um, who was just it, – it wasn't even – you know, I mean, obviously he was a great coach, and I, I love that and everything he taught me and stuff, but it was more of just like you knew that he was going to he was gonna put the the best nine out there even we, when we were in Little League, and he wanted to win every single uh, every single game, and 
there was no, you know, there was no questions about that. And he instilled confidence in us that we were going to do that. Um, and then another one is uh, Les Morris, who was also, he, he only coached me for two years. Um, and that was in high school, but um, he was a coach of my younger brother for his whole life, basically. And they always won and, you know, everywhere that he coached, they, they won. Um, and just even seeing him coach before he actually coached me, um, I was like, this, you know, the guy does it with passion. And, um, yeah, those three were, I would say, the three main uh, guys that really, you know, fueled my as baseball career and then also coaching career as, as a coach. And then most recently, you were on the staff at university, came out of one of the toughest regions in the state of West Virginia, went through Bridgeport and went through Morgantown uh, to reach Charleston last year. In your years as an assistant for Brad Comport uh, with the Hawks, what did you uh, learn under him that you want to implement in your program at Berkeley Springs? Man, I mean, I, I think every, I, I, you know, there's certain things that come to mind, but just everything. If if you could see a practice, if you could see the preparation that he puts in, and even another assistant that I was with, um, Donnie Gilbert, was there. Um, you know, I came in, and those two guys just, I mean, it was baseball all year, but, man, the preparation that they start putting in, you know, when they when we come back to school um, right after Christmas break, and just the they were so prepared, and they were all in, and whether it was meetings during school with the kids or the flex practices or just, you know, the kids in the hallway and, and always talking about baseball and then to actually going to practice and the practice plans being so precise and just the – everything was had to be the exact same way. Um, you know, we – just certain things like we're all wearing the same color. We're all wearing the same pants. We're all – doing everything together as a team from the very beginning. Um, just certain things like that, I, I, you know, I'm definitely I'm bringing into um, my program now with Berkeley Springs. And, I mean, beyond that of just how hard they worked in the offseason, how much they, you know, they strived on, like, just we're going to be in the weight room and we're going to be tougher and stronger than every other team, regardless of, you know, even if we aren't, better skilled we're going to be tougher and stronger than them um we're going to take pitches we're going to take walks we're going to be selfless uh and i mean just those things that i think that every program can build around um there's some certain certain things i want to bring in on my own but i'm going to copy a lot from that uh, i mean i've only really ever seen winning uh there so we had a phenomenal season last year and if i could just copy that and copy what we did there and bring it here, uh, that's, that's my goal. Well, let me take you on a brief rabbit trail and ask you a question that might be a little bit of a sore spot for you, Coach, because, you know, the Hawks go down uh, and play in Charleston, lose in the semifinals uh, to a Hedgesville team that went on to the state championship game. You got to see one of the top pitchers in the state up close in Lauder and, you know, one of those programs. Can you talk about what you saw from them? And as you know, obviously you guys are in different classifications, but you're walking back into a part of a state that's got uh, a pretty rich high school baseball uh, history in the surrounding area. Yeah, and um, you know, we going into the game, we knew uh, we knew that we were seeing Delauder, and we studied we studied tape for. I mean, I probably you know, I probably took time out of my class to 
his study tape going into that game and our kids study tape and we kind of knew his, uh, some of his sequences and you know some of our our better hitters we knew Noah Noah Bram uh, speaking who West Virginia State Player of the Year last year but he knew how he was going to be pitched and we kind of knew how that was going to happen and we just it wasn't lack of preparation it was we just didn't get it done and shout out to to the water he was phenomenal he was on uh, I, I'm sure he's you know he's probably pitched better games but from what we saw he that was one of the better games we saw uh by pitcher all season and you know we traveled down south last year over spring break and saw some really uh top pitchers some division one commits um but he really he he had his a game and you know from the hedgesville coaching staff i think it reminded me a lot of what our staff was like at university a lot of emotion and just a lot of just instilling that you could see the confidence that the coaches had in the players and, and the players feel feel that and can and feed off that um but yeah i mean i i think not you know not to go too deep but i think we did get a little we got a tough draw last year um for sure i think seeing obviously seeing the lotter there who was the best pitcher in the state tournament at least probably the state um so we got a tough draw uh, you know, facing him first game, but we still thought that we were, you know, we, we deserved to be there. Uh, we were one of the the best four teams for sure. Um, but yeah, moving back here, and I mean, obviously Jefferson has the the history, and Lowry's been there for, I mean, my high school, you know, when I was in high school, and a long time before that. Um, and just seeing, you know, seeing those guys warm up and stuff, and you you take little things from them, and um, the Eastern Panhandle obviously has great great high school sports and great baseball as well. Um, so I'm excited to get back in and, and, and get those teams on the schedule. Um, you know, even being a, a lower classification, uh, I, I think that, you know, it might take a year or two, but we are really going to be able to compete here um, regardless of classification. So we're, we're ready for that. Well, Coach, we talk to so many, you know, basketball and football coaches. We talk about style. We talk about, you know, the type of player that they were and how they turned that into how they coach a team. You know, what kind of a player were you, and how is that going to translate to how your team competes on the field? Um, I would say a tough, uh, mentally tough, physically tough, and in, in, in respect, uh, respect for the game, respect for the, the opposing team, the umpires, the fans. Uh, and that's what that's what our program is going to really be built on. And we're going to be tough, um, regard, mentally tough, physically tough. Uh, we're going to take pitches. We're going to get those free bases. Um, we aren't going to let little things uh, hurt us and, and roll over to bigger things. Uh, we're going to respect the game. Um, but, you know, we're going to respect the umpires and, and the opposing team and our fans uh, and opposing fans. Uh, so I think we're, like, that, like, that's the building blocks on the program. Um, just we want to be tough and we want, we want you to know that we're tough, but we also want you to know that, that we're going to respect you and that, uh, you have our respect. And then coach, uh, you look at Berkeley Springs as a whole, the athletic department. And one of the things that stands out almost immediately is the community support that there is for Berkeley Springs athletics. Uh, and I guess from your perspective, uh, how do you, uh, plan to connect with the Berkeley County or the Berkeley Springs community, uh, being a native, being a graduate, and and get the the Berkeley Springs Indians fans out to see this baseball team. I think it's. It, I mean, the first off, uh, Berkeley Springs is great. Um, I love the community, the support. 
I think that it's one of the best places I've ever been that, that shows community support. It's better than when I was at university, um, even though it's a bigger school, bigger town. Uh, Berkeley Springs, there's just something about it that the community loves their high school sports, and I think they're going to come out regardless, but we are going to get to get more people out by winning games. I think that everybody wants to see a winner. Um, nobody wants to nobody wants to go and, and watch somebody lose consistently. Uh, so I think winning games is going to get people out, and we're going to get out to the younger crowd. We're going to have a couple uh, little league nights where we're going to have some some of the little league players, uh, you know, run out with our with the high school players to their positions and get announced and uh, things like that. And we're going to have you know a few of those nights throughout the season. Uh, so you know, just going, you know, targeting the, the younger crowd and, and those future Indians. Um, and then hopefully, you know, that'll bring their family out to the game and, and they'll get to watch a winning product. Uh, and that's, and that's what we're going to, we're going to be about. So. Well, well, coach, lastly, this, I've been dying to ask you this question since I knew we were going to talk to you. Anybody that drives by uh, the facility there in Berkeley Springs know that it's one of the more unique high school baseball fields in the state. Is there a potential for you to turn that into an advantage? I mean, I'm sure you played on that field. I mean, it's got to be tough to be an outfielder and cover that much ground. And, uh, you know, from a depth perception standpoint, is there a chance that you guys could maybe use that to your advantage? Uh, yeah, it, it is. A, it's a very unique, very unique uh, place to play for sure. And, you know, we, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I haven't really, I didn't watch any uh, Berkeley Springs games last year, and I don't know, really know what they have coming back. Um, talked to a couple kids, uh, you know, so far, but, we're going to look for speed in our outfield and, and it's not going to be a place to where we're going to be able to, you know, hide a guy, you know, you're not going to be able to hide your defender there. And we want, you know, other teams that come visit and maybe trying to hide a, you know, they're an outfielder there just because he's a good hitter or something, but you can't do that whenever we, you know, you play at Berkeley Springs because so much, so much ground out there and, and you're going to have to be fast. And I think, the first thing we're going to look for in our outfielders got to be speed and, and tracking the, and tracking the baseball. So there are certain uh, advantages to that. And, you know, when we look to build our team, we are going to look for that first. We want, we want that speed in the outfield where some other places that you might play, you, you don't need as much um, speed out there. So, you know, I, I mean, it's, it is still just a baseball field. I know that there's always, yeah, the outfield is a football field, but, it, it still turns into a, a really nice baseball field uh, when it's when it's kept up. So that's the plan. So that's Quentin Thompson, the new head ba- baseball coach at Berkeley Springs. Parker Stone, you know, you've spent some time on that field. Certainly one of the more unique playing surfaces when it comes to high school baseball. But it's a Berkeley Springs community, like we said, that they're they're rabid for success. They want to see a team compete. And I know, regardless of the sport, that if they start winning some games, it's going to be a well-supported team. Yeah, and it always is over at Berkeley Springs. They're really passionate about the sports over that way when they have them. And it's a it's always a good hire when you have a guy that's been with the program, an alum of the program, and someone who really cares and wants to take this program to the next level. It's always important when you have that. And Berkeley Springs is trying to get back to a spot where they can compete. They only won three games last year, and it's a chance for them to get back to where they should be, and that's winning quality baseball games. Three wins last year, two years ago, only seven wins. So it's a program I'm sure that Coach Thompson's going to have some expectations and some marks for this Indians team to hit, and I'm sure they'll hit them over time with Coach Thompson. Well, we've got another break to take. When we return, we'll look at some national headlines later on in the show. 
We'll get Parker's picks. We'll talk about our broadcast schedule coming up tomorrow because there's been a slight change to our Shepherd coverage. We'll tell you about that on the other side. This is Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, part of the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back, Panhandle Sports Live. As always, you can text us, 304-263-4321. High school basketball on tonight. Berkeley Springs over on Cool 92.9 here on WEPM and WCST. We have Muscleman against Hedgesville. Guys, a couple of headlines uh, over the last couple of days um, that I just want to get your opinions on because we don't have a lot of time in this segment. Parker Stone, um, we have a, a significant transfer in Will Howard committing to Ohio State, the former Kansas State quarterback. I, what I like about this more than anything is, despite the fact that Garrett Green said he's already coming back, uh, hopefully this will disabuse ourselves from a whole offseason of Garrett Green is transferring to Ohio State. But, you know, in terms of your takeaways, does he really move the needle that much for the Buckeyes? Well, there's a lot of pieces that are leaving for Ohio State that make me wonder what's this team going to look like in 2024. Of course, the big headliner is Marvin Harrison Jr., who's going to be a top three pick in this year's NFL draft. And your second leading receiver, Mike Ibuka, is right on the fringe of being a first-round pick. If not, he will be taken in the first 10 picks of the second round. So your top two receiving options are gone. You've got Cade Stover, the tight end, who's going to be gone as well, and a lot of really good defensive pieces too. Well, the quarterback play definitely was not where it needed to be. You go from a guy who is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL to C.J. Stroud to Kyle McCord, who is – not worked out and is going to Syracuse and I hope things work out for Kyle McCord in Syracuse as well but it's I'm interested to see how they're going to surround pieces around Will Howard because I don't know if I would look at this guy and say this is a guy that can take you from playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game to playing in the national championship especially with the pieces that Ohio State has lost. Well, another personnel change that happened yesterday in the NFL, Daniel Woods, Dalvin Cook signing a contract to play for the Baltimore Ravens after going unclaimed after being released by the Jets. Dalvin Cook is obviously not the same player that he was when he was a Pro Bowl uh, running back in Minnesota. I just find it hard to believe that he's as bad as he was for the Jets this year. Do you think that the Ravens can squeeze some life out of Dalvin Cook as they look to make a deep playoff run? Yeah, my biggest question when I saw Dalvin Cook play a couple games for the Jets was what the heck happened? Yeah, uh, because you don't get that bad that fast. You, you don't, and I, I get it. Running backs' bodies are breaking down faster than ever. That's why you're seeing teams stack two or three quality running backs in a backfield at a time most of the time. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would agree. I can't believe that he's going to be worse. I just I don't entirely know what he does for this team. I, I get that he's got some three down value that really nobody else on that Baltimore roster has, but Gus Edwards is still a guy that you're going to want to give short yardage and goal line touches to. Um, I know Keaton Mitchell's down for the count. Justice Hill is an early down guy that can catch the football. I just don't know how much of an upgrade this is, and mm. I don't know if this is honestly, honestly going to throw a wrench into what you've already got going because they have developed over a period of years a, a pretty good dynamic between Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. And, you know, you throw in a guy in Dalvin Cook that is going to command early down touches, is potentially going to command some short yardage opportunities. And, and I don't know if this is something that you want to throw into the mix, you know, going into week 18. 
Uh, and uh, again, we we talked about it. The drop off from Dalvin Cook from last year to this year with the Jets, it can't be. It, it's hard to believe that someone just falls off a cliff like that. But I did see some, one of the the various twi- highlight Twitter accounts tweeted out. You know, the the Ravens just signed a stud with Dalvin Cook, and it was his Florida State highlights. To which someone responded, "Obama was in office." <laughs> so, uh, you know, guys' bodies break down at different rates, and Dalvin Cook was not very good on the Jets this year. So, I I don't know what this does for Baltimore, except potentially just throw a wrench into the chemistry they've developed in that backfield. I think if anything, this is just a reserve pickup. And yeah, the worst thing's the worst is he gets two carries, he's not any good, and they cut him. Yeah. You know. And, and that as well, I think he might be ring chasing with this signing as well. Chance for Dolphin Cook to go get a Super Bowl ring. If you ask me today, I think the Baltimore Ravens are my favorite pick to win the Super Bowl right now. And it really, I think that's what it is. I think really right now it's Gus Edwards' backfield for the time being. I, I would have been excited to see what Keaton Mitchell would have done down the stretch for Baltimore if he would have stayed healthy. But Justice Hill is a good backup running back. And I'm sure Dalvin Cook, if anything, I saw someone say it's a Melvin Gordon replacement. So And I like that potentially. Just a guy to have as a reserve if something happens. And hopefully we get to see some consistency in this Ravens backfield in the next few years because they've just been beat up with injuries whether it's Dobbins whether it's Keaton Mitchell Gus Edwards getting a spell here and there I know he's had a couple injuries come up but there's the consistency in the backfield if we could see Lamar Jackson handing off to a consistent running back maybe next year two years down the line it's gonna make the Ravens go from that good to even better and lastly this guys Milwaukee beat San Antonio in the NBA yesterday 125 to 121 but I want to talk about this game because it was Giannis against Victor Wimbanyama for the first time listen to these stat lines Antetokounmpo, 44 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. Wen Benyama, 27 points, 9 rebounds, 5 blocks. Uh, he played 26 minutes. Giannis played 39. Um, two of the, the top players in the NBA. How long do you think it is? L- let's finish the segment with this question. How many seasons is Victor Wembanyama going to play in the NBA before he plays in a playoff series? Not a play-in game. When he was he actually, you know, because Vassell is there. There's some pieces in San Antonio that I like. Uh, so hands there, but this is still a roster that is a long ways away from where they want to be. How many years before we see Victor Wembanyama play in a playoff series? Two, I would say three. Okay, I think that's relatively fair. I've even seen. I mean, some of the stuff he does, it takes one dribble in, across half court and gets to the rim and th- yep. in two steps. He's certainly somebody else, and certainly somebody that I'd like to have seen the the Washington Wizards tank last year and not this year because the top player in this year's draft class is. I don't know. I will say this. At a certain point, and this goes for any team with a young developing star like that, you're going to need some veterans on that roster because yeah. they don't really have any. It's just kids' table right now except for Zach Collins. Uh, so you're you're going to need some veteran presence on that roster at some point uh, because as I look at it right now, Zach Collins is 26. You look at their top one, two, three, four, five, six seven contributors on this roster and you've got Zach Collins at 26, Keldon Johnson at 24. And those are the two oldest guys in the primary rotation for this team. So yeah, Doug McDermott's playing 16 minutes a game, but that's not the veteran presence. Uh, sure. I'm, I'm sure Doug, Doug McDermott's a great locker room guy, but you, you need more around a developing young roster like that uh, than just you know, one guy that's been in the league for 10 years. Well, we've got more NBA basketball to talk about as the season unfolds, but we've got one more break to take. We'll get Parker's picks on the other side. This is Panhandle Sports Live. 
You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Tweet your thoughts on today's show at EP Sports Network. Not going to waste any more time. This is the part of the show that we all came here to listen to. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. Boys, I'll tell you this. If this is how we're coming into 2024 and it's going to stay the entire year, let's eat. Another clean sweep of the slate yesterday. We go JMU getting the win over Louisiana. So there was a little scuffle after that game as mm-hmm. well on social media. So interesting note of that. Victor Wembeyama gets over that 30 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. He gets 37. And the talking point was that behind the back dunk that he had. Oh, yeah. That was all over the place. And... In the final waning moments of the contest, Connor Bedard was able to get his three shots on goal. He was able to achieve that. He had two for a while. I was keeping up with that one. He ends up getting that third one, so we do sweep yesterday. Taking our 2024 total now, we are 2-1 and one on locks, and we are going to be 5-1 and one on our bonus picks to start the year. So we're going to turn to the last weekend of regular season NFL action for this Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to take the lock, and this is a little bit biased because I've got a I've got a big bet from earlier in the season that's riding on this weekend. I'm going to go with the Jags with the win over the Titans as this weekend's lock. Jacksonville could lock up the AFC South with a win this weekend against Tennessee. What's Tennessee got to play for? Really, the only thing it's probably going to be Derrick Henry Swanson in Tennessee this weekend. So, so I'm going to rock with Jacksonville to get the win, clinch the South, and make their way to the playoffs, and they'll be the number four seed in the AFC. I've also got New Orleans beating Atlanta. New Orleans has an outside chance to win the the NFC South if Tampa trips over and loses to Carolina. But the main thing is, and I think we can all say this, we just all want Arthur Smith fired in Atlanta. So I'm picking New Orleans to get the win over Atlanta. And as well, I'm going to go with Green Bay getting the win over Chicago and grabbing that last wild card spot in the NFC. Green Bay's been playing great football Hopefully we get to see this all kind of rides on if Jaden Reed plays for Green Bay. It looks like Christian Watson's trending towards another game and he's not out. He's been dealing with that nagging hamstring injury. If Reed plays, and it's going to be a really interesting matchup. A lot rides on that game. If Chicago wins, I can almost guarantee you that Justin Fields will be the starter next year. If Green Bay wins, it could raise some questions for Chicago, and that moves the Packers into the playoff picture. So Jaguars with the win, Saints with the win, Packers with the win this weekend. You know, I completely forgot uh, we needed to set some time to pick some NFL games. So you guys want to try? You guys want to try Speed to pick around. them in 120 seconds? Sure. sure. All right, here we go. Ravens, Steelers. Who you got? Steelers. Steelers. Texans, Colts. Texans. Texans. Uh, the Broncos and the Raiders. 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 Oh, hey, I like that. A little late nine to finish the year. Browns and Bengals. Browns. Bengals. All right, so the Browns would move to 12-5 and five with a victory there. Vikings-Lions. Lions. Go with the Vikings. Not a Lions-Lions, excuse me. 12-1 season for Dan Campbell if they're able to pull that off. Jaguars-Titans. Jags. Jags. All right, uh, that would make the Jaguars 10-7 and seven on the season with a 1 o'clock window on Sunday. Jets-Pats. Yuck. Jets just because the Patriots want a higher draft pick. Jets. Yeah, I would I would agree with that as well. The eight and eight Saints and the seven and nine Falcons. Saints, Saints. Shout out to Derek Carr. He's having a fine season. He's just you know the Saints. That's just there. Derek Carr. He's okay. He's just fine. Uh, Bucks, Panthers, Bucks, Bucks. Yeah, that would make the Bucks nine and eight. The Panthers are two and fourteen as it stands right now. Uh, by the way, Tyson Bajan is six, so the Bears are going to sign a third quarterback for this game. Uh, Bears, Packers, Pe- uh, Packers, Packers. It's going to be going to be that Peter man. <laughs> That's going to be uh, the 9-8 and eight Packers if they win that game. Uh, Giants-Eagles. 
I'm going to go with the Eagles. They finally remedy themselves. Yeah, Eagles. 12-win season feels like a failure, though, though for Philly, does it not? At least, at least the way they started the uh, year. Yeah, I was going to say, if you told me before the season they were going to win 12 games, I, I would have been... I feel like that would have been a success, but after the way things have gone the last few weeks. Uh, Cardinals, Seahawks. Seahawks. Seahawks, they have to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. Only favored by three, which is on the road, mind you. Chargers, Chiefs. Go with the Chargers, Chiefs arresting their starters. Yeah, I was going to say. Rams, 49ers is an interesting game. Uh, This game's weird. Carson Wentz is starting this game. He is. You know what? I'll give the Rams the win in this one. Me too. All right. Uh, Cowboys, Commanders. Uh, Cowboys by a thousand. That would yeah, be same. yeah. They're favored by thirteen. I think that's the biggest line of the weekend. And then Bills and Dolphins. Uh, the Bills are favored by three on Sunday Night Football on the road. I go with Buffalo. They win the AFC what the AFC West. They win the AFC East. Yeah, give me Buffalo. Tyree Kill seventeen hundred seventeen yards. So he's going to be short. Yeah. I have missed a couple of games. Unfortunately, he's going to be just short. But that's going to do it for us. Nice job, guys, hitting the post there. Uh, We've got high school basketball on tonight. Like we mentioned, we've got Berkeley Springs over on Cool 92.9 WXDC. High school basketball here as well as it's uh, Musselman taking on Hedgesville. Daniel Woods will have the call. You're not going to want to miss that. Or Panhandle Live that comes your way here in just a couple of moments. For Daniel Woods, Parker Stone, I've been Luke Wiggs. We'll talk to you on Monday.